What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. We're finally back. Packers football is just a mere days away at this point. I could not be more excited for this season. The Weekly Cheese has a new home, obviously. We've reached the modern age, and we've now officially put our stuff on YouTube. Uh, this is our debut episode on YouTube, no longer at 90.3. But the Weekly Cheese is back and better than ever, and I... It is with great pleasure that I get to introduce the co-host. I know last season I was teasing this man, his appearance week in and week out. I was, every week I'd get on and say, oh, well, maybe next week, maybe next week there'll be an, a, an appearance from Packer Mike. And it is with my great pleasure that I get to introduce you, my cousin and Packer aficionado, Mike. Mike, how are you? Oh, thanks for having me, Joe. It's great to be here in studio for Weekly Cheese and uh, ready to talk some Green Bay Packers and uh, looking forward to this Sunday. Oh, oh, yeah. There's so much to talk about, obviously. Uh, it has been a very hectic off-season uh, yeah, for hectic, all of us. to put it lightly. Hectic, it, it, to put it lightly. Yeah. I don't know about you, but late nights, staying up, thinking about the, the Packers and what was going on. Uh, horrible night's rest for me yeah, this past off season. Not a great off season for Packer Nation, but we prevailed. We made it through. Uh, we're here. No more sleepless nights thinking about Brian Gutekunst constantly and whatever is going through his mind. Yeah, and thinking about the sabotage that so clearly seems sabotage. to be going on in the upper ranks. But for right now, all is well. We can put that aside for a moment. Aaron Rodgers is back in the building. Uh, so we're just going to take the Rodgers conversation. And just put it on the side. For yeah, now. We're, we're putting it on ice. Uh, not only because we want to put out a, an entire video just addressing the uh, situation at large that we've been dealing with now as a fan base and as the team has been dealing with, obviously, Absolutely. for numerous, numerous years now. Since 2018, I would say, that's when it all started going down. Yeah, and uh, but we're gonna put that on ice because without a doubt that conversation will be brought yeah. right back and to the front of everyone's minds at the end of this season. It's inevitable, yeah, and it's a conversation that needs to be had. And uh, we're certainly gonna address the Gutekunst versus Rogers scenario, how I would like to call it. But uh, we're gonna set it aside for a moment and uh, talk about something on a more positive note. Give you our off-season report and uh, look ahead to Week One. Yeah, we have a big show planned. We got a lot to get into in terms of what happened this offseason outside of the Rodgers, in terms of free agency, what happened there. The Packers did bring back yep. a number of very important pieces. Yep. They were able to do it. Aside from the whole Aaron Rodgers drama, if you can separate that from the rest of the offseason, I think the Packers had a great offseason. I, I know agree more. It may be hard to hear that, but... We really did. We brought back some key pieces. We really drafted well. If you just look at the team as a whole, we really are a deep team. So I'm excited for this year. I'm excited to talk to you about the offseason at hand. Yeah, so in terms of who we said goodbye to in free agency, the Packers said goodbye to, and, and who the Packers brought were able to bring back into the building, I'd say Gutenkunst and Co. did quite a good job getting they the important did. pieces back in the building they St did. to start off Aaron Jones obviously yeah. it was very important that Aaron Jones get paid 
four years, $48 million, yeah. and uh, he has solidified himself as our running back of the future, our RB1. I think it was absolutely vital to bring back Aaron Jones. I know nowadays a lot of people will say, oh, you shouldn't pay a running back in free agency. You can draft another one because and they might get hurt. But Aaron Jones is just so explosive, and he's such a playmaker. I mean, you've seen numerous times he'll take the ball – uh, the first play from scrimmage and burst out for a 75-yard touchdown run. I mean, that is something you can't just easily replace. So signing him, getting him on the team for a number of years to come is, I think, was excellent job by Brian Kudekunst and company. And Jones, clearly he wanted to stay. He's a he's a Packer guy, you know. Like He wanted to be in Green Bay, and uh, he's here for our Super Bowl push, Super Bowl push. And I really couldn't be more excited about it. I know as soon as Aaron Jones stepped foot on the field for the Packers way back, yeah. Aaron Jones steps foot round draft pick. and and he immediately was an impact. Like yeah. he was rushing for he led the league in yards per carry in his first year as a starter. Like he was so solid right from the get-go and I couldn't be happier to have him back. Yeah, I mean, it was very important. Back in the McCarthy era, you know, we were all Packer Nation calling for more touches for Aaron Jones, yeah. and now you see what happens when the man's got his his touches and his due respect. I think he's going to have a great year. And back back with a chip on his shoulder after the way last oh. season ended for him. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see how dominant he is and our whole backfield is come Yeah, I mean, the NFC won. Championship game, I'm glad that he's not ending his Packer career on that note because that was certainly, I mean, after that NFC Championship game performance, I took my Aaron Jones memorabilia and shoved it in the closet, <laughs> not, not to be seen until he re-signed the contract. So, you know, I'm very happy. And uh, It did seem it there for a second that it was going to be a, uh, a, a very bad-tasting, yeah. yeah, bitter end to what was a... But it's not. He's got the chance to rewrite his Packers story with this. Someone Boy. else who has a big chance to rewrite their Packers story... Kevin King, uh, he is the much maligned corner. You you know you've heard the criticism, you've heard everybody blaming him for that play at the end of the uh, half of the championship game, and rightfully so. But I mean, he was put in a horrible, horrible position by Mike Patine. It d- and it does and seem just from reading between the lines of what both Kevin King and Matt Lafleur have said this this year to the press regarding the situation. They never really addressed it directly, but there were little breadcrumbs spread out yeah. pointing to the fact that Mike Patine was uh, <laughs> was to blame in that situation. And it's it, I'll, I'll buy that, and, I'll, and that's what the storyline I'll run with just to put it behind <laughs> us. Uh, if, if, if Patine was the reason that happened, then I don't see why Kevin King back on a one-year, $6 million deal, a prove-it year for Kevin King, yeah. uh, that he can't go back to his 2019 form, where, where he did have five interceptions. He is a talented player. He's a big, long corner, and we've seen him make plays. It's just about being consistent with him. And healthy. And, uh, and again, and he wasn't completely healthy in that championship game. So I say let's give him the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see where the year goes with him. In, in a room that now has some – Young talent. Yeah. It's it's a pretty deep We're room. Touch that, on the, the secondary, but yeah, that's a it's a deep secondary. Also, back in free agency this year, we have big dog Mercedes Lewis I back be happier. on a two year deal worth eight million dollars. A must sign. Yeah, for the a Packers. must. 
especially not even to mention uh, his locker room presence. I mean, just having him in the locker room, as you've heard Aaron talk about it, it he's a rock in there. The, the rest of the team leans on him. But on the field, I mean, he's the best, absolute best blocking tight end in the National Football League. You're not going to find a better blocking tight end than Mercedes Lewis. Or a Come more, on. more hardened veteran. Yeah. Been I doing mean, it forever. That guy is hardened like you said yeah so he is he is just a great veteran leader veteran voice and a true glue piece for this glue Packers guy. team yeah, he's and, a glue guy uh, he needed to come back uh, it, let's just say that the worst case scenario might have unfolded if big dog wasn't back in the building after this offseason i just remember seeing him uh in the offseason when all the aaron drama was going down oh, yeah. and some TMZ reporter stuck a camera <laughs> in the man's face. Mercedes, and, Mercedes. And Mercedes Lewis was just blindsided by the information, and the man just seemed so upset to hear that Aaron Rodgers wanted out. And uh, you could tell it hurt it hurt him deep when he, but, when he saw that. I mean, but you could also tell that he wasn't truly buying it all the way. Yeah, he he was, how dare he blindside yeah, Mercedes, Mercedes Lewis, Lewis like that. was just taking a casual, yeah. casual stroll down the road and... That's not how I would want the news yeah. broken to me. Now, yeah, that's not cool. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure Big Dog didn't appreciate <laughs> that either. Uh, another important piece, though, was brought back to the Green Bay Packers, this time on a veteran minimum of, like, what is it, $128,000. The Packers solidified Tyler Lancaster <laughs> back yes. on that defensive line. He's back, and you'll be hearing a lot about Tyler Lancaster on this show. Um, he is a fan favorite of Joe and I. I mean, he's just he's been there for a number of years now, and he's not the greatest player, but he always shows up, and uh, he's always out there. Let's just say he's always out yeah. there. The, the Weekly Cheese is very much so a Lancaster podcast. <laughs> yeah, we... we we love Tyler Lancaster. Talk about a guy who, who who likes to stuff the gap. Like, he just gets in there, and he, he gives it his all, 110%. And he has the occasional fumble recovery or something like that or a shoestring tackle. Something yeah. He'll have one splash play here or there that just one makes you realize year. why Lancaster yeah. is there. Yeah, at least one per year. Some would say maybe even more importantly than re than re-solidifying Lancaster in those trenches would be bringing back Robert Tunyon on a tender of $3.3 yeah. $3 million, a second-round tender. Yeah, certainly. I know we like to have fun talking about Tyler Lancaster, but I, uh, Rob Tunyon, it was essential to get him back. I mean, he led the NFL in touchdown receptions for a tight end. And um, he's just a big part of the offense. So I think it was important that we have Tanyan back, and uh, he's a good player. 11 touchdowns last year. An obvious Pro Bowl snub. Snub. Uh, and the sky is the limit in terms of Bob Tanyan. I, I, Tanyan. I do believe Tanyan, big yeah, Bob Tanyan has the potential to be up there in the conversation with Kelsey, Kittle, Hawkinson. I think yeah. – if you're talking those guys, you gotta at least bring up Big Bob. Yeah, and, and uh, Tunyon works out with Kittle in the off season. I mean, that's not to say that they're necessarily similar or will have similar seasons, but you know they're 
working out together, training. I yeah, they're guys. Tunyon, he's he's primed to have an awesome year. So not to mention the fact that he's coming off a season in twenty twenty where he did not drop one ball. That's very one hundred percent completion percentage for Big yeah. Bob in twenty twenty. So he vastly underrated. Great to have him back, and who knows? He he is technically on a contract year once this year runs up. Oh, yeah, contract year for him, so he's going to be motivated to ball out. And then next, uh, another player we brought back was Chandon Sullivan. I know also I, on a tender. I have mixed opinions about Chandon Sullivan. I know he's, uh, he's an average player, I would say. I think the team and the coaching staff is very high on him. He's... From what I can gather, he's taken all of the starter reps in the slot for the defense this offseason. So the team's very high on him. Um, I'm still, I think the jury's out on Chandon Sullivan personally. We'll have to see. I, I too, can agree with that. I, I do think Chandon Sullivan is far from proving himself to be a, a great player in the secondary. But with that being said, I do think Chandon Sullivan has shown flashes of being really, really solid out there. The one play that comes to mind was the interception he had in 2019, I believe, against the, the Eagles, I think it was, where he just like snagged that ball right out of midair. And when I think, again, for two, $2.1 million, I think yeah. Chandon Sullivan is That's going right to be, around where it's, it's a great value for back. Chandon Sullivan. And, uh, again, another guy who's on a prove-it contract here and in this new system could really shine. So so keep an eye on that. And the biggest story of free agency, in my opinion, and the biggest positive for the Packers was restructuring Preston Smith. Yeah. I mean, he had a monster uh, salary cap figure coming into this season. So it was just inevitable that something would have to be done with his contract. Yeah. And I think Goo and Co., uh, Russ Ball, whoever else you want to lump in there with the salary cap guys, uh, they did a good job with Preston. He didn't live up to expectations necessarily for last year. And uh, I think this will motivate him to uh, go out there and play well. And I, if I recall correctly, there are some incentive based uh stipulations in his contract where if he gets a certain amount of sacks so yep we'll we'll go over the exact specifications of preston smith's new contract once we when we talk about the edge rush a little later on but it, he did have a it, it was it's a completely new contract he basically yeah. had half his pay deducted and a hefty amount of money based in sack based incentives so we'll get into all that as the show progresses but Big things coming for Preston Smith this year, in my humble opinion. Early signs of him in camp was that he was trim, lean, and ready yeah. to go. I heard he worked over McKay Becton when uh, mm-hmm. the Jets came to town to practice. So uh, Yeah, so here. I think Preston Smith is on a comeback tour of the ages in the 2021 season. And then uh, two, two players to note, really, that aren't returning in free unfortunately, agency. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Corey Lindsley, all-pro center, and then Jamal Williams, fan favorite running back for uh, numerous years, fan favorite. He's just a hard, hard runner, uh, tough guy. and He's electrifying. Sad to see him go to the Detroit Lions. I would have preferred him to go out of division, but, you know, we'll get to see him twice a year. Jamal's one of my favorite Packers. Mine too, and if Jamal Williams has a – I'm going to be rooting for him to have, like, a nice signature nine-yard burst or something <laughs> where he 
barrels through someone yeah. and shakes his head. I'll, I'll be rooting for that all season long, aside from two games, obviously. And I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing it against the Packers. It's just a damn shame that Jamal's not back, but it was needed to happen. Yeah. They were both up for – Aaron and Jamal were both up for contracts. Um, and I think the Detroit Lions got a total steal in yeah. Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a fantastic player. And the Corey Lindsley situation, that is one that can uh, deem to be a, a, a big loss for the Packers, especially early on this year. And we'll get into all that. But Yeah, Corey Lindsley, it was tough. Uh, I think it was obvious when the season was winding down that we weren't going to be able to retain all of these players and then Corey Lindsley unfortunately is just the way free agent free agency works is he's now the highest paid center in the league and good for him we yeah the Packers just weren't going to be able to swing that but uh good for him and he's out there in San Diego with Brian Bulaga who, yeah uh, we'll talk about yeah the two of the least California guys of all time meeting up in California <laughs> it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing and I could not be happier for Corey Lindsley and his massive payday, and uh, hey, got another Ohio State guy under uh, as the center right now. So, who knows what will happen? Right after free agency, obviously, is the NFL draft. We got to get into the NFL draft. Um, very good draft for the Green Bay Packers, I would say. Horrible, horrible day for the Green Bay Packers overall, though, with Schefter doing oh. that attention-seeking. Publicity yeah. stunt on draft day, releasing that hit it piece. It really was. Uh, the NFL draft is one of my favorite days of the year. It really is just getting to sit down and after all the anticipation of who's your team going to take, who's going to be in the top five picks, I love watching the draft. And then this is two years in a row that draft day has been utterly ruined and just miserable because it started back when uh, Brian Gutekunst traded up for Jordan Love. Now we can... Set that aside completely. Set that it's aside. Tough to set it aside, but we're going to keep it set aside. It just uh, keeps trying to get back in here. We're pushing it away for you guys. Pushing it away. So you know it's tough. Then Adam Schefter went and ruined this draft <sighs> again. So he ruined the uh, the night for everybody in Packer Nation. We were all concerned, confused, and just honestly just annoyed that just this whole situation had to occur with. Rogers in the front office. Absolutely but, um, disgusted. Disgusted is a much <laughs> better word to use. But um, yeah, so we could set all of that aside and consider this draft as a whole. Uh, we went out and with our first pick, uh, number 29, we took Eric Stokes, cornerback from Georgia. And I remember I definitely thought it was the right move for the team to take a corner. They were considering Stokes or Asante Samuel Jr., and I can't say that I know too much about these college prospects. So as long as I saw that it was a corner and he had 4-3, speed, and I thought that was a solid draft pick. It was definitely a solid draft pick, picking up Stokes. Between the two, Asante Samuel Jr. and Eric Stokes, Eric Stokes, his athleticism really jumps off the page. Like he, he's lightning fast. I believe he what he run a four two at his pro day. Like it was a pro day clock, but still, it, that's an extremely fast forty. He's he's got the natural ability, and it seems as if he's still really developing as a football player. Even in his time at Georgia, he's still a raw talent, and in a secondary filled with some studs, I think Stokes is going to find. 
find a nice role for him. Yeah. But moving on, Stokes number one, number two, center. Yeah, I was really happy to see Josh Myers. I was I thinking back to the draft. I was happy that they took an offensive lineman there. I remember Creed Humphrey was another guy who in the mix at center. Uh, we both thought they were going to go the Creed Humphrey route. I you know, thought Creed Humphrey route pretty badass. was the move. He he was, but I think the there's a glaring difference between the two, Myers yeah. and Humphrey. Myers is ginormous. Myers is, and it was even interesting to hear Aaron Rodgers say uh, – He's never necessarily had a center this big. Yeah, no, he's Josh big. Josh Myers, 6'5", 310 pounds. He's a big guy. and uh, A behemoth. He will be an absolute rock in the middle of the offensive line, I, I think. So. And it seems he seems to be like a really like solid guy. Like yeah, his, his press guy. conferences, like he, he has a poise at that podium oh, that yeah. you don't see in rookies. Most like he doesn't even seem nervous up at that podium. He's just like, he. I I think he's gonna have a very solid career here with us in Green Bay. Yeah, he seems confident. He seems ready. Aaron Rodgers has complimented his practice. Uh, you know there has been that some reports that they Aaron gave him a little coaching up, but uh, he's a rookie center working with uh, the greatest quarterback in NFL history. So, it, it's uh, bound to happen. There's gonna be some. <laughs> there's gonna be some learning moments, but uh, yeah, Josh Myers. I'm really excited for him. Third uh, round was another very exciting pick. It, yeah. Considering, unlike the 2020 uh, draft, the 2021 draft, the Packers really needed to cover some bases in the first two rounds. Needed a center, needed a corner. Absolutely. So it, round three needed a wide receiver. Like, we didn't need a wide receiver in round one or two this year. It was more important to get the corner, get the center. But round three, we the Packers needed to draft a wide receiver, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, it's important when you look at it because we have Devontae Adams, MVS, and Alan Lazard are all on contract years this year. So we needed a wide receiver to come in and learn the system and develop with the team. Amari Rodgers, from all accounts, seems like he's going to be a great player. He's going to be returning punts for us. He And another thing is he has the connection with Randall Cobb uh, growing up his – Amari Rogers' father was Randall Cobb's wide receiver coach, and that's just such a cool story. And for them to be linked up in Green Bay like this now, it's um, it's almost like it's destiny for them to be on the same team right now. Yeah, the fact that they did draft Amari Rogers and then went and traded for to bring home Randall Cobb—it's a perfect situation for Amari Rogers to come into the NFL and shadow a guy like Randall Cobb. Not only. Regardless of the fact that they have this amazing connection from their past and they've known each other all these years, but any young wide receiver, connection or no connection, getting to sit behind Randall yeah, Cobb to learn from, and, uh, and play with Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb and see that connection, it's going to be nothing but beneficial for him. And I have no doubt that he will be our slot receiver of the future. Yeah. So I'll pick at number three. Number yeah, four. Um, and this is a player I'm excited about, Royce Newman uh, from Ole Miss. Uh Hey, he looks like he's going to be the starting right guard of the Green Bay Packers. So, another it seems like another worthwhile draft pick by Gutekunst and Co. Yeah. And uh, Newman, we'll, we'll get into Newman more when we discuss the offensive line as a whole, but uh, another great pick. Fourth round to get a potential starter on the offensive line is great. Great value at the, at the fourth round spot. And, hey, Newman... If he is, in fact, the man lining up week one, 
all power to him. That means he came yeah. in with some tenacity, yeah. which, is, which is what we're looking for from a from a fourth round guard. I mean, the, the tenacity must have been on full display. Fifth round. Speaking of a man that showed tremendous tenacity this this preseason, oh. T.J. Slayton, defensive Slayton. tackle, he, Florida. He is one of the Packers that I'm very excited about this season. T.J. Slayton is a big guy. He's going to be a big presence in the middle. Big number 93. Look out for him this year. 6'4", listed at 330 on the Packers roster. I'm going to have to. a little to, generous. <laughs> extremely generous, I would say. I'd like to see. I think he might be tipping in over at three, 360 at least. He's a big man. He, he's a big man. He's going to do a great job stuffing some runs for us this year. Yeah. And he adds... The addition of T.J. Slayton, not only is he young, athletic, he is athletic. He's very athletic for his size, but also more depth on the defensive yeah. line. Yeah, just bringing in guys like this. T.J. Slayton's 23 years old. Let him sit and learn behind Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and guys who are established in this league. And he had a great play in the preseason where he had a sack. Yeah, he had a sack. Good for him. Yeah, he had a sack. Uh, then moving into the sixth round, uh, no, in fifth round, sorry, Shamar yeah, two, John Charles. Two, two fifth round picks, and then we doubled down on corner, and we took Shamar uh, from Appalachian State. Small school. Yeah, and uh, smaller DB. From all the off season reports, Shamar has looked uh, really promising in the secondary, and uh, I don't believe that he'll necessarily be in a starting capacity this season, but uh, he'll certainly get his time on special teams and. Uh, Again, great value fifth round to get a player of Shamar's ability. And he seems to have all the confidence in the world, Shamar Joe Charles. Yeah. Even in his uh, some of his action in the preseason, like he was celebrating like he just yeah. broke up a potential championship winning pass. So it's it's good yeah. to see that confidence exuding from those young it's, defensive backs. Yeah, it's nice to know that you have uh, players on the team just learning from greats like Jair. And uh, Amos and Darnell, just talented players in the secondary that he can watch and learn from. Moving into the sixth round, two sixth-round draft picks. Cole Van Lannan, who interest, an offensive lineman who interestingly didn't make the team. He yeah, ended up and, uh, not making the team. Another lineman from Wisconsin, you know, follows the trend of us taking Wisconsin linemen in previous drafts. And, um... You know, unfortunately, he didn't make the team, uh, but he do, he is on the practice squad, so uh, maybe he can develop there. He is a six-round pick, so um, sometimes six-round picks don't hit. Yeah, and he's a he's a Green Bay. Uh, he's from Green Bay, if I'm not mistaken, or right around yeah. the outskirts of Green Bay. Yeah, went to Wisconsin, so he's a local kid. It's a cool story. Uh, we'll just have to see how he develops. Yeah, and then. A man who did end up making the fifth, uh, the, the roster as a sixth-round pick. Later on in the sixth round, the Packers pick up middle linebacker Isaiah McDuffie from Boston College. Yeah, McDuffie is another one who uh, showed promise in the preseason on special teams, I should say. He uh, looks like he's going to be a contributor on special teams. Yeah, and with the middle linebacker room being oh. how it is right now, who knows if Isaiah McDuffie, there is a chance Isaiah McDuffie takes some snaps. Who knows, calling he, plays, who he, knows? He could be on the field week one. Yeah. The yeah. middle linebacker position is absolute most There's concerning. There's definitely some gripes to ha to be made regarding that that position group in a little bit. But yeah. Isaiah McDuffie, 
Welcome aboard. Welcome. Fits right in, if you ask me. Yeah. Rounding out the draft and a player that is very surprising to see that he lasted this long based off of his performance in the preseason, Kylan Hill has looked absolutely like he belongs in the National Football League as a running back. Uh, yeah. He has performed very well. Two touchdowns in the preseason, uh, showing true ability to make plays when, when he, a play opportunity presents itself. Not, not only that, I have a feeling Kyle Hill's going to be returning kickoffs for us, uh, for the yeah. Packers come week one. If and I'm not mistaken, he will be the starting um, kickoff returner. Which is a, obviously a position we know. Uh, desperately yeah, need an improvement been there. In search for a, a consistent kick returner for years, it, it feels like, like. decades now. So the fact that Kyle Hill in the seventh round, can come in and be potentially outside of Myers, the biggest contributor of the draft class right away, is pretty impressive. I'll have to check. I think he might have even opted out of his last year for COVID. So, uh, yeah, I think that factored into him falling in the draft. And then, hey, the Packers have a smart front office. We're fortunate to have – well, let me, and st- let me stop myself there. <laughs> the smart front office. <laughs> I should say – I wanted to say the everyone in charge of the draft knows what they're doing, but then, you know, you your mind goes to the Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love. Decision. I liked I like to think that the pressure was on in this draft. <laughs> That's what I like to think that that each pick was made with extra care. Yeah, more care than they were done in years prior. I guess what I, just what I want to say is that you know the Packers do have a very. Uh, they have a talented uh, scouting department. You know, we find these late round great, players. Great scouts. They have great scouts. That's what it is. I mean, maybe the decision maker ultimately may not be have the best thoughts in mind. But hey, uh, the scouts they they always find these late round steals. And it's and it's very exciting to see Kylan Hill. And I'm knock on wood confident that he's going to be pretty solid as a kick returner for us. Yeah. I know it's hard to talk about the draft as a whole with all these lingering thoughts of the love situation, but uh, we're going to get to that in a subsequent episode. This is just, you know, we just want to get our off-season report here. And then, obviously, a tough training camp, long training camp. But let's just go over the preseason games a little bit. Let's touch on the, the preseason. What we saw, obviously, it was a much more substantial preseason, at least it felt yeah. like it to me, than yeah. preseasons of years past due to the fact that it was our the fans' first and potentially only look at Jordan Love. Yeah, it really was a much more important preseason than years prior, as far as it felt from a fan's perspective. I mean, getting the chance to see Jordan Love uh, week one in his limited capacity before he was injured, uh, unfortunately, just not enough of uh, to gain a you know a true perspective of his abilities as an NFL quarterback. It's just not enough time, not enough film. It just it was ultimately I'm I'm disappointed in the preseason. Not disappointed in Jordan Love's play per se, but disappointed that he was injured and then he couldn't showcase his abilities in week two and just as a whole didn't look phenomenal as a whole and um you know just just leaves you feeling uneasy as a Packers fan oh 
I'll I'll push back on that just a little bit and say that in the opening preseason game, I thought Jordan Love looked phenomenal. I thought he looked really good against the te- the um, Texans. I thought he looked confident. There was there didn't seem to be any hiccups in terms of getting the play out. He he had some zip on his passes. He he was connecting with Funchess a lot, and it was really was. exciting to see. Uh, he he stood in the pocket and he took hits. He he had a strong pocket presence in that game, and he and he showed his ability to evade the pocket as well if need be. It's not like he had some all-star protection during the preseason. He was under pressure a lot. The injury was a big, it was a bummer. It would have been really nice to see him play against the Jets. And in that third preseason game, Jordan Love obviously didn't look great. I think he had a passer rating of like 69 or something like that. Uh, not not the best performance. Did throw an interception. Made a couple of bad decisions when he was under pressure and a play broke down. Uh, and I also will say in the first game, he had there was that horrible, horrible miscommunication on the play action where he handed yeah. it off to the wrong side. So there were some things that needed to be cleaned up. But overall, 24 for 35, 271 yards, a touchdown and an interception. I thought it, I thought it could have been much worse. Yeah, and uh, he was uh, hurt for the Buffalo game, so you have to consider that. And another thing to consider is versus Buffalo, they had their starting defense out there they did. for the entire first half, and the Packers had exclusively second and third stringers. Um, Another note is that uh, he did, Jordan Love had a a pass that just reminded me so much of Brett Favre. He just, on, it was Uh near the goal line, and he just dropped back and kept going and just threw it up as if it was, you know, fourth and 16, last play of the game. But obviously that's a coaching moment. Matt LaFleur said as much, and... uh, I don't want it to seem that I'm down on Jordan Love. Certainly, I think he has a lot of potential to be a great quarterback in this league. I just think the way the preseason unfolded with him getting injured and then and his limited time playing, uh, we just didn't get to see enough. And it was, certainly it was a didn't put enough on film for other teams to be clamoring for a first or second round draft pick to trade for him. You know, I just don't. I just don't see that. So. I just we'll see where this situation goes with Jordan Love. Uh, he's there on the bench. Uh, God forbid we need him this Soak season. Soak it all in, kid. <laughs> That's what I would tell him. But uh, yeah, so he's there and he's and he he'll be holding the clipboard for Aaron. But uh, yeah, I mean, just not enough to decipher exactly yeah. what it is Jordan Love has to offer. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that in terms of. The other pieces of the offense when it came to the preseason, there were a couple of position battles going on. Um, we'll, we'll get into all that. Uh, but there were some big-time big, big time players on the offensive side of the ball for the Packers this preseason. Kylan Hill, one of them. Kylan Hill is actually my preseason MVP for the offense. He, he had the two touchdowns and one nice screen pass week one. Preseason game week three had the nice rushing touchdown. Show consistency with the kick return, and he just played with an energy that I felt was infectious. And uh, even in the the games and then times during these preseason games where the Packers kind of seemed like they had no shot of putting the ball in the end zone, Kylan Hill st- still 
so electrified. Yeah, Kylan Hill is a fun player to watch. He really is. I mean, there's a screenshot of him celebrating and flexing, and it looks almost identical to Jamal Williams. So I just feel like he's going to be a similar player in that vein, that he'll bring the energy, bring the intensity. I mean, if you remember back to Jamal Williams, that guy was intense. Duh. And I mean, say this, the least. <laughs> this is what this is what it seems. Kylan Hill is going to bring that to the table. He seems like he's got the moxie, and he's got the obviously he's got the ability to be a good player in this league. So, electrifying. Uh, so getting into the defense uh, under new defensive coordinator Joe Barry, we were all waiting to see how the defense would look. And of course, this is the preseason. You can't. Uh, They're not throwing a lot out there. Very yeah. just base, base coverages and, and the base first team defense didn't even play. Yeah, we, we threw no, no looks out there for the for the other teams to to get on film. It was very very bare bones defensive scheme, and with guys fighting for jobs. No no starters, not even second string guys really out there much. Yeah, no, it was no starters, so really hard to determine. Uh, how the defense will look this season, but some individual performances to note of. Uh, TJ Slayton, obviously, is a guy that I am very excited to see. Uh, we were talking about his week one performance versus the Texans, <laughs> seeing him. He started the game, and then the Texans started to drive down the field, and once they got down to around the 20, Slayton was gassed. Yeah, his, <laughs> uh, his adrenaline dump that took place during those moments was was palpable. I mean, he went over, he called for a, a blow, like three snaps yeah. into the first drive because all that adrenaline just caught yeah. up to him. So he, he needed to get a quick little water, and then he was back him. out there. He ran over, he, he got down on a knee, got yeah. his energy back, Yeah, he was right back out there. And, and that was really the only, uh, he seemed to be in good shape otherwise. Oh, it yeah. was just those the adrenaline of the first three drives of NFL action. Yeah, so Slayton... Big man needed a break for a second. Overall, Slayton did a good job, but uh, my preseason MVP award for the defense has to go to Jack Heflin. I mean, the undrafted free agent defensive tackle, Jeff Heflin, just as Larry McCarron said, showed up at the Packers training camp with two chances, slim and none. I love that line from Larry McCarron. Hell yeah. Jack Heflin was not expected to make this team, but he worked his ass off in the preseason and... Uh, he showed that he belongs on NFL roster. He There was one play where the opposing quarterback threw a swing pass to a running back, if I'm not mistaken, and Jack Heflin ran down the play and tackled the guy with one arm. Yeah, and got him by the, the tip of his shoe. This is a 320-pound man uh, showing burst and speed out there, and I, I couldn't I'm excited agree about more. Jack Heflin. I think he's really going to push Tyler Lancaster for that, Oof. for his reps. Yeah, speaking of being a Lancaster podcast, his <laughs> his snaps yeah. might be hanging in the balance with Jack Heflin. So the, have to transition the young to Jack Heflin coming Jack for Jack Heflin spot. podcast. Yeah, hey, oh my, we could, yeah, Lancaster, if you're listening... Yeah, there, we might have to switch allegiances Ty pretty Lancaster, quick. This podcast was originally going to be dedicated to Tyler Lancaster, but, I mean, Jack Heflin, I mean, <laughs> there, there's a lot to like there. Especially after listening to his his uh, pressers, like yeah. especially after he made the team, he just seems to be a cool guy, seems to be easy to get along with, passionate. quiet, passionate, and you know what? He seems to be eager to learn. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the and I think there's actually I think hopefully if Lancaster does 
by a slim chance run into this footage. We love you, Tyler Lancaster. Oh, we do yeah, know we that there you. is a Iowa connection between Heflin and Lancaster. Something along the lines of <laughs> Lancaster lives where Heflin's grandma lives or something like that. So I'm sure they would... We could have the Iowa. We could be the Iowa Boy podcast and yeah. be a Heflin Lancaster combo podcast if if they're okay with that. But yeah, it, I couldn't agree more. Heflin preseason defensive MVP for sure. An undrafted guy coming in and taking a roster spot. Yeah. So just keep an eye out for Heflin. He'll he'll see him in there. He'll be he'll be he'll be on the field at least for a couple snaps here and there. I mean, think about all the times you saw Billy win last year oh. and just replace that with Jack yeah. Heflin. And for those who haven't necessarily watched every play of the preseason, Jack Heflin, number ninety, uh, you'll see him out there. Yeah, taking away the snaps, but you have regular see regularly see from guys such as Billy Wynn and others who have been just a rotating cast it's been a revolving door there for a little bit yeah and another thing another reason why i think heflin making the team is such a beneficial aspect to this packers roster is hopefully at the end of the season we the packers won't be on a never-ending search for defensive line depth yeah. Like they have been, like no snacks Harrison ordeal, oh. you know, like where wow. where the Packers are just searching under every stone. They're turning over yeah. every stone looking for a man to come fill a gap. Well, you're going to need uh, extra linemen in, in a 17-game regular <laughs> season. You're going to need offensive and defensive linemen to get through it. So uh, just having him is good. We won't have to go out and uh, acquire someone such as a very late career Snacks, snacks, Harrison to uh, play two snaps a game. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, to exert all of his <laughs> his exert the last drops out of his gas tank for a potential sack. Remember when he did that? He got so close to get to the quarterback. I don't remember which game that was. That might have been the Tennessee game. Was that his first game? Something like I just remember having a good laugh at Snacks Harrison yeah. really exerting it all out there right. for his. If, if for nothing else, we can say Snacks Harrison was a Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you go back and listen to the, to the Weekly Cheese episodes from last season around that time, I was really, really amped about Snacks Harrison being around. Yeah, I was... in retrospect, <laughs> of minimal value. Oh, <laughs> minimal. Uh, yeah, if, it, was, it was not a good stint for him, to say the least. And to wrap up the preseason action, the special teams was – very disappointing, to say the least. Very disappointing. We'll, we'll break down the special teams in a little bit here, but it yeah. was uh, not what not what I wanted no. to see from Mo Drayton's first special <laughs> teams looks. Coming off a season where we ranked uh, 30th in special teams total, 30th or 31st, uh, you were hoping to see a little bit of uh, improvement in that area, but... No, uh, Maurice Drayton looked shell shocked on the <laughs> yeah. sideline. He looked like yeah, that first he Texans game had never seen a kickoff return in his life. That man, and I, I feel bad because, uh, you know, he's been on the Packers staff for a little bit. He got promoted, but uh, the guy did not seem ready to coach a special teams unit. And again, we'll get into this a little more in in a, in a bit here. But the what I'll say about that is, and it's tough to even blame the man with a <laughs> with a vast history of special teams inequity that uh, the Packers have 
shown over the past couple seasons. That, yeah, like special the special teams has been a constant issue over the past couple yeah. seasons that it's hard to even blame Mo Drayton. It's yeah. it's like he's a. Uh, He's on a sinking ship by himself, and he's forced to plug all the holes with his hands yeah. right now in the special teams. Shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic doesn't got, doesn't doesn't have enough hands. That's what yeah, it is. No, I mean that that is an enormous task for any man. Uh, but Mo Drayton, you know, it's you got to see it week one. In Mo, we trust. Let's just get into the offense at large here, starting with our most. Our favorite position group here over at the Weekly Cheese podcast and the, and the weeklycheese.com, that is the offensive line group. Biggest consideration for this offseason was who would step up and be the starting guard for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, there was an offensive line position battle going on all preseason long. Uh, obviously, with David Bakhtiari being out for the first six weeks of the season with his obvious his ACL injury. Um, we can officially start the countdown to Bach. Countdown Every to Bach. week on the on the weekly cheese, we're going to get into the, it's the countdown to Bach. Right now, it is posted at six weeks till Bach. And, six weeks out. And until then, it is up to the the other offensive linemen in the room to. To pick up the slack during the countdown to Bach. Yeah. Every every single one of them on their fridge has the countdown to Bach. Six yeah. weeks till Bach. They all have it circled on their calendar. In the meantime, it is, it's up to them to step up. Yeah. Obviously, Elton Jenkins is going to step up into the left tackle as we count down to Bach here on the Weekly Cheese. And it's pretty interesting and pretty badass that the Packers have an offensive lineman in Elton Jenkins. A guard who I feel like everyone in Packer Nation, coaches, the upper management, and the fans, not one person is concerned about how Elton Jenkins is going to do at left tackle. No. No, Elton Jenkins is a stud. He's one of the uh, few offensive linemen, maybe the only offensive lineman in the National Football League that can play all five spots on the line and play at a high level. He has played everywhere in the offensive line. He snapped. He's played guard. He's a Pro Bowl guard, Pro Bowl center for that matter, and now he's going to prove that he's a Pro Bowl tackle as well. So and, and he's not filling any shoes. He's filling box, big yeah, shoes to fill. Those are enormous shoes, probably size 12 at oh, least. Um, yeah, I mean, box, they're, they're massive shoes to fill, and I honestly think that Elton Jenkins is going to pass the test with flying colors. I think Elton Jenkins, after this season – is going to be in the conversation of greatest lineman in football. I genuinely believe that. He is such a stud, uh, and it's just very interesting that not one person seems to be concerned with how Elton Jenkins yeah. is going to handle the, the left tackle position, which is obviously the most important position on the entire offensive line. But until the countdown to Bach hits zero weeks, Elton Jenkins is going to be just fine out there, and it's up to everyone else on the offensive line to take care of business in their own right which is a little unfortunate and is the reason why I think that the losing Corey Lindsley in free agency this offseason could show some negative – it could have some negative impact on the beginning of the season. Yeah, well, I think it's important to mention the massive competition uh, for the guards' spots um, between three guys – or four if you want to throw Braden in there, but it was Lucas Patrick – 
Royce Newman, John Runyon Jr., and then Ben Braden had his chance in there at some point. But it was those four guys battling for the two guard spots, and uh, in my opinion, I really thought it was going to be John Runyon Jr. to secure at least one of those guard spots. I mean, we saw last year, uh, week one, uh, the first week of the season, John Runyon Jr. was in there playing when uh, Lane Taylor went down. So uh, he and he was really uh, the next guy up at the guard spot last year. We had Rick Wagner to come in and play backup tackle if we needed. But uh, John Runyon Jr. was the backup guard. And uh, for him to really get beaten out by uh, this summer was surprising to me. Yeah, he was the next guy up. I remember even in the Detroit Lions game last year, John Runyon got a plethora of snaps that game. He played yeah. a good chunk of the second half there, and he played well. And it was very di- it was disheartening to, uh, see, to see him have struggles this it preseason, was. especially in that week one game against like the Texans. He got blown up. Yeah, he got hit hard. He There was a play where there was a linebacker blitzing, and he got absolutely crushed. Uh, <laughs> you know, and this is hard for me to talk about because, necessarily because John Runyon Jr., uh, for me, being an offensive lineman, I was really excited about John Runyon Jr. And uh, I, have, I have something here that I'd like to introduce yeah, to the show. Yeah, so every week on, on the Weekly Cheese, we're – Mike and I are going to have a segment titled The Weekly Relic. And and there was no doubt about it after the, the battle that went on in the trenches for the Packers this preseason and the outcome of that battle being John Runyon Jr., maybe not even making the team. John Runyon Jr., it was a close call. He, got, he did not look great. He ultimately... I don't believe we know the official starting lineup for the offensive line. I don't think LaFleur has tipped those cards yet. We but we have a very strong idea that John John Runyon Jr. did not <laughs> win the position battle. Yes. And uh, Mike, the, for the first relic of the week, Let me introduce Mike has something here. The, this conversation is hard for me to stomach because what I have here is a true Packers relic. So <laughs> we'll, we'll be bringing these relics onto the show and uh, explaining them. Obviously, this would work better in a visual medium, but uh, I'll throw I'll throw a picture. We'll uh, throw a picture up. Videos here coming now. soon for the weekly cheese. Videos coming, don't but worry. Until then, I'll throw a picture up of the relic. And what it is here is an Acme Packers throwback <laughs> John Runyon Jr. jersey that is actually uh, stitched, so it's the more expensive type of jersey. Yeah, it's the, it's what's known as the limited. Yeah, it's the limited uh, jersey from the pro shop. It's uh, <laughs> You really can't even customize Wait, this on the website, I don't think, anymore. Is that from the pro shop, or is that, <laughs> did you go out east for this jersey? I, I was right. under the impression that this jersey came from overseas somewhere. Right, this might have been acquired overseas. <laughs> but this, this is a true... One of one. When you see the picture for this, it is a John Runyon Jr. jersey. Number 76, Acme Packers, John Runyon Jr. jersey, stitched. The thing is, uh, Runyon doesn't even have the junior on his jersey. (laughs) (laughs) I I customized this and just decided to throw that on there. But, uh, yeah, John Runyon Jr. jersey, this... uh, will prove how much confidence I had in the man, too. It's a true one-of-one. 
Uh, we Good are Lord. under a firm belief here at the Weekly Cheese that this is a one of one, that not one other Acme Packer, yeah. John Runyon Jr. jersey exists anywhere in the world. And we are willing to go out on the limb and say that due to the fact that John Runyon Jr. never even suited up in an Acme Packers uniform. Last season, there was no throwback jersey worn. So Runyon didn't even get to yeah. suit up the golden blue. Yeah, and uh, nonetheless, we have it here. So uh, we challenge anybody out there, and really the entire world, if you could replicate or not replicate, if you could from before this point, if you had an Acme Packers John Runyon Jr. jersey, limited stitched, I, I don't think this exists other from uh, outside the studio. Yeah, if the, if there's one out there, and and you just so happen to have it in your possession, please send a picture of it to theweeklycheese12 at gmail.com. I don't even think Runyon's family would even <laughs> no, have this. No, it's, you'll be hard-pressed to find another one. And the Weekly Cheese podcast has one. And Yeah, so we're going to throw a picture up and... Uh... Let it's, us know what you think of it. It's the first relic of the show. The first, the first weekly relic, and who who knows? Perhaps John Runyon Jr. progresses, perhaps proves himself, come. becomes a Hall of Fame offensive lineman, <laughs> and this jersey that we have right here appreciates in value to to the nth degree, and we we could potentially be holding a a. Very, very valuable collector's item here. Well, let's hope. The first step would be running and getting on the field. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's, let's just... And with that being said, we are also a John Runyon Jr. podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it starts there with Lancaster and Runyon Jr. And, I mean, and that, is, that is the relic of the week. Putting all the, 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 the jokes aside about the, the offensive linemen battle that went on in the preseason this year it it did come down to pat lucas patrick john runyon jr newman and, and royce newman and ben Braden. Right. uh ultimately we believe the offensive lineman will be jenkins at the left tackle position lucas patrick at left guard josh myers at center royce newman at right guard and billy turner uh, as the right tackle uh, so two rookies are set to start for the Green Bay Packers on the offensive line, which is why I honestly think the Lin- the Lindsley situation could have some negative consequences early on in this year to have two rookies lined up right next to each other on the offensive line with Bakhtiari being out is, is a pretty tough, tall task for the Packers, and it's going to be interesting to see how the offensive line looks come week one. Yeah, it's a tough task for any rookie to jump in and start in the NFL but uh to have two rookies right next to each other on the offensive line uh I'm just hoping that you know they've had sufficient amount of practice time together to gel and hopefully hopefully they're prepared for what's to come for this first six weeks uh the countdown to Bach is on there's six weeks till Bach and then until then these five guys have to hold down the fort yeah and this is a public service announcement, a public call-out to Royce Newman, okay? Right. This is what I'll say. Royce Newman, yes, you are you are big and tough, and yes, you have some greasy long hair that is well appreciated over here at the Weekly Cheese. Uh, I personally believe that the, the greasy long hair is what gave yeah. you the edge over John Runyon Jr. I think... 
the greasy long hair and the look that you got going over there. It was the reason Runyon showed up sporting that mustache. I think he was trying to distinguish himself with a, with an image of his own. The mustache came about out of nowhere. Yeah, the it mustache was, was uncalled for. It, it was just like, holy crap, Runyon's got a mustache. When did that happen? But with all that being said, I do believe Newman wow. stepped on Ben Kurt's ankles a couple times in the preseason. It, it, something was going on along the offensive line where the ankles were being stepped on, and yeah. it was a big fiasco. None of that can happen with <laughs> no, 12 back there. No not. stepping on 12. No. That's all we ask. But, Joe, you bring up a fantastic point about Royce Newman's hair. I mean, that must be the the factor that just put him over the edge of Runyon is that hair. I mean, look back to the Packers lineman of old, uh, Josh Sitton. Well, the his, his, hair? his hair is reminiscent of Sitton. His hair was greased up, and it was ready to rock. And then you look at David Bakhtiari's oh, hair. The, uh, t- oh. uh, what hair is greasier and more badass than Bakhtiari's yeah. hair? And I don't – Royce Newman, if you were to ever come up, up, across this, I we really do appreciate oh. the hair here at the Weekly Cheese. This it's, isn't disparaging no, in any, no, no. any I, means. I don't think I would like to think he doesn't take it as disparaging. I either. would hope so. That a man like with, with hair like that, you know that he takes pride in in the locks when yeah. he goes out there, just like Sitting and Bach and all the beloved offensive linemen that have sported the. The greasy long hair. It's what I'm looking for, to be honest. And uh, it's <laughs> yeah. going to be nice to see that hair coupled with some bent fingers as his career progresses. Absolutely. You know, he's still got those yeah. rookie fingers. It's going to be nice to yeah, see and when they get all jammed up over the next several guy, seasons. Uh, shout out to Dennis Kelly if you take a look at his, Another one. his hair. I mean, he's a 10-year pro, if I'm not mistaken. Good acquisition so. by Goot this offseason to like go and bring in Dennis Kelly. Yeah. Started all the games for the for the Titans last year, I believe. Started all 16. Yeah, I like having a solid veteran like that on the bench. I mean, he's basically, if you can remember back to Jared Valdir, who filled in for Bulaga when he uh, yeah. had, had the shits during the playoffs. Yeah, game. yeah, and, <laughs> and you, we, that's right. I, did, I told this story last year on the Weekly Cheese. We'll cover it real quick again. Mike and I were at that 2019 divisional round game against the Seahawks, and we got into Lambeau real early right as the doors opened. We got as down near the wall the to watch open. some warm-ups, and we saw, we saw Bulaga come out for a quick stint, and then quick. all of a sudden back to the locker room with the runs. Um, that, was, that was obviously the same weekend as the – in the, the, at this point, the very famous Devante quote, wash your butt, wash your your hands or whatever it was. Wash your hands, wash your butt, that whole ordeal. And uh, Blog obviously didn't get the memo. He no, was he was, he was sick. Obviously, uh, there was some sanitary yeah. precautions that weren't being adhered to. Yeah, Blog. He, he, he doesn't he, – I heard Blog tunes out the TV on game day, so he didn't hear the Devante clip. Um, he didn't hear it restated a couple times that morning. But nonetheless, Valdir was able to come in. And when I think of Dennis Kelly being on the bench, I also think of Rick Wagner and the, and the role he yeah. played last season coming in to fill in at the tackle as yeah. a veteran. I remember when the, the Packers decided to move on from Bulaga and sign Rick Wagner, I was a little disappointed. But after Rick Wagner proved to come in and play solid snaps and uh, it was a, it was a definitely a valuable pickup by Goot, and I hope Dennis Kelly has the same sort of season this year. 
Yeah, Dennis Kelly, uh, 6'8", 321. He was actually the guy, if you saw the pictures, who Bach did the jersey swap with in training camp. So 6'8", uh, is big. He's a big man, and I'm happy to have him. Yeah, this is his ninth year in the NFL, so I'm happy to have him on the team. Another position group that was experiencing some immense battle going on inside the, the, the room was the wide receiver position for the Packers. Uh, all camp, there was really a, a battle going on for that final sixth, final ro- uh, roster spot for the wide receivers. And uh, ultimately, Malik Taylor came out on top. Yeah, he really showed in the preseason that he was uh, strong, he was tough, he knows what he's doing. He can go out there and, and catch a pass with, and you'll have some confidence in him. Yeah, Malik. And, uh, he's also a special teams contributor, so... Uh, there's a lot to like. With yeah, Malik, Malik Taylor, 14 receptions, 185 yards over the three games in the preseason. Uh, pretty nice production. The most productive wide receiver to be on the field throughout the preseason. Yeah, and he's uh, he's 6'1", six, six 220, and uh, he's only 25 years old. This is his uh, either second or third season, I believe. So uh, we'll see where his career can go. Yeah, and the fact that he was able to – take that spot is a testament to him. He really showed up, and yeah. he was playing with confidence, a confidence that we didn't nec- necessarily see from him last season when he would get in there, even on the touchdown that he grabbed. He was uh, he did celebrate a little bit, but he, he didn't <laughs> seem confident, but yeah, he seemed very people, confident in the preseason. A lot of people don't realize he was on the 53-man roster for the entire season last year, so uh, Malik Taylor's been around. He beat out a couple yeah, guys, a couple uh, of such as Jawan Winfrey, and uh, Equiminius St. Brown. And to touch on EQ and, quickly. Uh, now, now we can get into EQ yeah. because this is a <laughs> this is a funny topic. I yeah, mean. we. Oh, all I know is that Equiminius St. Brown has been a source of heartache and headache for me personally. He drops he, history of dropping passes ever since he got to Green Bay. Uh, he came in with MBS. Back in the day, and uh, he came in with Jamon Moore. Jamon Moore, another man who caused heartbreak and headache. <laughs> but Jamon Moore, MBS, and EQ came in all together. Uh, EQ caught a couple of passes last season. He was inconsistent throughout his time in Green Bay. And this preseason, especially that week one game, uh, preseason week one against the Texans, we were watching the stream of Green Bay local cable. And, yes. and we... It was weird during commercial breaks. They didn't always go to commercial break on the stream. No, they just left it to pan across the field. They were panning around the Green Bay sideline, and we—it was pretty cool. We got a nice little inside look at the interpersonal workings of the Green Bay sideline a little bit. <laughs> we didn't hear what they're saying, but we got to see how they were interacting with one another. And you saw all the guys who didn't suit up for action that day. And yeah, you saw Eric Jones. You saw Devontae. You saw Aaron. Everyone and was laughing. Group. Everyone was laughing, having a good time. They were, seemed to have not one care in the world. They knew that they were on the team already. And if you look closely amongst that group, Mike, who, who did we see amongst their perhaps laughing more than anyone? <laughs> who did we see laughing more than anyone? Equin- Equinemius. Equinemius St. Brown was walking around the sideline with the gusto of an all-pro. <laughs> Equimini St. Brown, uh, it, we were bewildered when we found out that yeah. he wasn't suiting up. We're, 
we were like, his spot could be solidified <laughs> on the team. How how in the world is Equinemia St. Brown protected? How is his spot not up for grabs? And long behold, it was. And it was up for grabs. I think it's telling that uh, he right now he's on the Green Bay Packers practice squad, but that's telling that no other team in the NFL wants him on their fifty-three man. Uh, so yeah, he's not. Uh, produced in a way that sh- other NFL teams have been interested in him, and right now he's just on the practice. Squad. And when he has received opportunities in the past, he has dropped. Yeah, many of those balls. And I know we get on MVS a lot and have gone on him a lot in the past for his drops here and there. But the production, the difference in production between MVS and yeah. the EQ is glaring. Yeah, MVS uh, led the NFL in uh, catches over forty plus yards. Yeah, and he was that is impressive. He was two, three drops away from a hundred, a thousand yard season. Yeah. So ten touchdown, thousand yard season was just two, three balls away. So uh, EQ did not make the cut. Malik Taylor filled that spot. Another man, Malik Taylor, beat out for that final spot. Which I don't know if he necessarily beat him out, but he ended up getting the nod after. Surprisingly, out of nowhere, Devin Funchess was placed on the IR for a, in my opinion, very, very suspect hamstring injury. Well, what's very interesting about the Funchess situation is he was placed on injured reserve, but then he reached an injury settlement with the team. So he's not on the Green Bay Packers right now. He's a free agent. And to me, it was just surprising that um, the way the whole situation worked out is if he could come to an injury settlement with the Green Bay Packers and potentially sign somewhere else, why wouldn't we keep him around to potentially bring him back from his injury? But I guess both sides just figured it was better to uh, part and uh, he's not on the team. Well, well it's, you put that very nicely, let me say, Mike, because I, I don't know about you, but something was brought to my attention a couple days ago, that I honestly had no clue transpired. Absolutely not one idea that this went on. But when I heard that it happened, it kind of started making me think maybe that's why he's no longer on the team, that uh, that potentially this negative PR could have been <laughs> the reason why he didn't end up making the team. And it is an alleged racial slur and... Yeah, he did. I slant hand motion regarding Asians. He he apparently made an insensitive comment in a in a post game presser that I didn't even hear. I think the Packers media must have did a good job at sweeping it under the rug really quick. Um, yeah, Devin Funches had a heinous comment uh, after <laughs> after um, uh, the Week One game versus the Texans where he performed very well. He had a Actually, a really nice one-handed catch going across the middle of the field. Six receptions uh, for sixty-something yards. So right? Funches played great that game, and he was asked. He was asked by a reporter, um, "How does it feel to be back after two plus years of not playing?" And his response was, "Well, didn't you see me smiling with my fill-in-the-blank eyes?" And yeah, he used a it's just, slur. Uh, you know, completely unacceptable it, it to just, say something like that. You know? <laughs> and, and I'm not laughing because what he yeah. said is funny, but the fact that he said it oh, is like, funny. Who in their right <laughs> mind is 
at the stage where you're an NFL wide receiver and you don't know that that's uh, inappropriate to say. And you're, oh, man, what a dumb comment to make. I think he also did a a gesture where he he slanted his eyes. mannerism, yeah. So he, yeah, it was um, extremely uncalled for (laughs) and... um, and again, it's not funny. It's not funny. What he did is not funny, and it's not okay, obviously. But just the the fact that a, a an adult in today's day and age would do that so publicly and say that so publicly uh, is laughable to me. And I'm not sure. This is all speculatory as to if this is the reason why Devin Funches ended up reaching this injury settlement. But he did issue an apology. I'm not I'm not here to to damn the man for it, but I just did think it was funny when I found out that 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 happened. I I, I couldn't believe it for a second that that something like that would happen. But nonetheless, Devin Funchess's career with the Green Bay Packers has come to an end. Yep, his his encouraging preseason. Oh, it was has, so encouraging. Had a quick quick demise with as after that comment. Uh, let's hope it his, wasn't a self sabotage. And his and his injury. So uh, yeah. So we'll just say uh, we wish him well in his future endeavors. And, and he uh, might be the greatest preseason player in Packers history. <laughs> he had a. Phenomenal performance against that Houston Texans fourth team. It was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, and, yeah, good luck. And don't be saying things like that anymore. <laughs> the next next opportunity you get, maybe leave those types of remarks at home. Uh, the final thing we got to cover, obviously. So the wide receiver room goes as followed. Again, Malik Taylor won the sixth and final roster spot. I was thinking there might have been a chance the Packers kept seven spots yeah. and maybe kept on a Winfrey. There was some reports that Winfrey before, looked yeah. good. But nope, six is the number for the Packers wide receiver. We have Devontae Adams, who, oh my my God, did he have a a postseason and offseason were filled with accolades. Devontae Adams, 99 club in Madden. Number six on the player voted top 100 list, the number one ranked wide receiver. And going into his final year on his contract, it's going to be very nice to see what Devontae Adams has in store for us. Another all-pro season, in my opinion. And I I wouldn't be shocked if the man has 25 touchdowns. Yeah, Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, obviously, as Packer fans, you could think we're biased, but you could see what the players – the respect he uh, gathered from the players and the voting, highest wide receiver in the NFL, ranked by his peers. So um, we are fortunate as Packer fans to have Devontae Adams on our team. And that's another area that we're going to put contract talks for Devontae off, and we're going to put it on ice right next to that Rodgers conversation because, needless to say, Brian Gutenkunst has – some very, very important pieces to tend to once this season hmm. comes to an end. And uh, let's just really enjoy every second we have watching Devontae Adams on Sundays. Um, so it goes Devontae, MVS, Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers, Malik Taylor, and welcome home Randall Cobb. Yep. He Randall fits, Cobb. Fits right in. Uh, he was- <clears throat> Should have never left. Should have never left. Randall Cobb should have never have been off the team. But so happy to have him back. 
He's going to be an immediate impact performer on this Packers offense. And, hey, when James Jones came back to the Packers, he led the league in touchdowns. I think Randall Cobb is primed and ready to have a very, very good season. I'm excited to see Randall back. Him and Rodgers are going to do great things. And, again, great veteran leadership and another veteran voice to have in that wide receiver room that up until this point, Devontae Adams has been the lone veteran. And Randall was his veteran when Devontae was drafted to the league. So great things to come out of that wide receiver room. Moving on, we have the tight ends. We did talk about this a little bit before. Big Dog is back. Two-year, $8 million contract. Him and Big Bub Tunyon are looking to take the majority of the snaps at tight end for the Packers this season. But it is a deep room. Yeah, the coaching staff is really high on Josiah DeGuara. I mean, you can tell that Matt LaFleur was excited to get him back this year off of his injury and just work him into the offense because, as Matt LaFleur said in his press conference, it's great to have DeGuara in the game because he can block and he can catch. So the defense is unaware of what we're going to do with him and uh, it just gives them multiple opportunities to you know, work him in into the offense, I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, and the short the short little run of snaps we saw from Josiah DeGuara last season before he went down with that injury, he was playing some good yeah. football. He had that incredible lead block in week two, I believe it was. Maybe even week one. It early on, he had that incredible lead block. He was showing stints of being a real productive player in this LaFleur system, and it's going to be interesting to see him line up, uh, line up out there this year, a- alongside Dominique Daphne, yeah. coming back to the squad after being a late season acquisition in 2020. Caught a touchdown. Caught pass a touchdown late in the year last year. It, it, the Packers have a very deep tight end room, and that's with not even counting Jace Sternberger, who is suspended for the first yeah. two games of the season. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Jace Sternberger. He's suspended for the first two weeks of the season, so his roster spot is secure until then. Um, you would expect that somebody on the team would, unfortunately, be injured in that two-week time frame, probably to open up a roster spot for him. But I wouldn't say that Jace Sternberger's spot on this roster is necessarily 100% secure. I mean... He's had uh, drops, he's had work ethic issues, which you can uh, clearly, uh, you can surmise that from what the uh, his tight end coach has, if you watch his interview, he's blatantly said that Jay Sternberger needs to fix his work ethic issues, and um, so we'll see about Sternberger, and I mean, just... Th- the fact that Brian Gutekunst slapped that man with number 87 as soon as Jordy Nelson left is a disgrace, in my opinion. <coughs> it's a disgrace, in my opinion, as well. That number should have been reserved for a, a, t- a top prospect, if, if you ask me. But with that being said, Gutekunst was obviously very high on Sternberger coming out of college. Took him in yeah. the third round. Yeah. And he hasn't materialized into... No. Anything. He's been sort of a bust thus far in his career. Yeah. He had some promising moments in the preseason. He seemed to be sure-handed, had a touchdown catch. So he had glimpses where he looked good in the preseason, but again, that is just preseason football. And in such a deep room, it's going to be interesting to see if he could uh, get on the field on the offense side of the ball. We'll probably see him in some sort of special teams role, if I had to guess. Yeah. And last but not least, to round out the offense, 
Let's talk about the running backs. Aaron Jones, obviously back. We talked about it to start the show. Four-year contract. Great to have Aaron Jones back. He is such a dynamic player. Sure-handed receiving running back. Elusive as they get. And he's a touchdown threat every single time he touches the ball. But I want to talk about the guy that's going to be lining up right next to him this season. Thunder to Aaron Jones Lightning. A.J. Dillon, second round back out of Boston College. Yep, the mini fridge on wheels. A.J. Dillon, he is a beast. And when he gets going, he's going to be extremely hard to stop. So um, I'm looking forward to watching him. We saw it last season against the Texan, uh, against the Titans, against Tennessee. A.J. Dillon came in, took the brunt of the carries that game with uh, everything that was going on in terms of injuries at the time. And he played phenomenally two touchdowns over 150 yards it was a dominant performance and in the preseason in the limited snaps he received defenders just seemed to be bouncing off the guy I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are ready to be the premier one-two punch in the backfield that the league has to offer this season if you see A.J. Dillon without his pads on I mean the guy is just cut out of granite you know like a precise sculptor would do if they had the chance to yeah like him. like Sp- spongebob went up to him with one tap <laughs> and then it said all perfect. yeah it all collapsed and there was Yo, aj dylan there was quadzilla guy, and i say that just to say you don't usually see running backs that look like him i mean he is massive and he's fast and he's strong so i'm excited for aj and dylan. it's so cool to see how aj dylan has taken to the community as well i mean he lives oh, yeah. he lives in wisconsin all year round and he stays there and he and he seems to really want to be involved and it's just it's awesome yeah. to see great to have aj Dillon back for a promising second season and hey sky's the limit for this running back room especially yeah. with kylan hill with kylan hill joining the trio this might be the deepest running back room in the national football league i mean we have three three great players who are all capable of playing in the nfl so and they're all going to contribute week in and week out aj Dillon and aaron jones in the offense and in the run game and then kylan hill on special teams is going to be a major yep. contributor all They're season all gonna long play. You're, all, you're going to see all three of them week one it's very exciting for this packers offense who finished the 2020 season as the number one scoring offense in the league that was year two in the lafleur system and hey year three more is to come this offense is has only gotten better this offseason absolutely now let's get into the Packers defense first year in the Joe Barry system and if you ask me it is Joe Barry's final chance in the NFL as a defensive coordinator yeah looking back on it he uh was the leader of some very very underwhelming uh defensive units in NFL history uh notably the winless lions if i'm oh eight lions uh, he was involved with that defense in some capacity I, he was the defensive coordinator yeah so that is that is uh frightening and then honestly. he had a short stint in washington as well and uh, those defenses i believe finished 19th in the league he, so he has an underwhelming track record he did uh, work with preston smith in washington but all reports from um the rams coaching staff uh from what i've heard from mcveigh and all the others are that Joe Barry is the real deal, and that and the players seem to really like him too. Yeah, and it it's a clear, it, it's a it's a very clear difference in coaching styles between him oh, and Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin, uh, he might as well have been a mute. <laughs> the man didn't seem to spark one bit of energy in anyone. I mean, they would pan to him on the sideline during the game, and. Uh, 
we would lose energy as fans. I mean, Mike Pettin was just a, a, a black hole of <laughs> of negativity in my my opinion. Yeah, he, he he did not inspire confidence. No, he just was sulking the whole time. <laughs> he had a very serious look on his face. Had very little to say in his press conferences, and I think it was time for a change there, without question. Joe yeah. Barry, I believe in. I believe in second chances. I believe in, that Joe Barry has an opportunity here, especially after being with the Rams for such uh, a number of years. He's learned a new system. He's adopted new philosophies. And with the talent on this defense, Joe Barry has all the tools to go make his mark quick. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do with our defense. Uh, getting into it, I think we have to start with the middle linebacker position just because it's the most notable position of concern, in my opinion. I mean, if you look around the defense, we have star players and, and depth at every other position group, but um, the the middle linebacker group is, is tough. The middle linebacker position is it, it's clearly the weakest portion of the Packers team. When you look at the breakdown of the 53-man <laughs> roster, the, the, the middle linebacker group is clearly the least impressive. Obviously, Chris Barnes is coming back for his second year, undrafted rookie last season, took the majority of the snaps for the Packers as the Mike's linebacker, and he did show flashes of, of promise. He, he showed to be tough. He, he, he picked up on the defensive scheme, and, and he did his job. He did his job last season. Yeah, I think it's important to note that Chris Barnes is the guy who's calling the plays out there on defense right now. I mean, if you think back to last season, uh, he was uh, the linebacker who had the club on his hand for a little bit of time. So yeah. he was playing with a broken hand. He's tough. I think he was even calling plays last year. He so, was, yeah. Uh, he's going to be out there uh, commanding the defense. He's going to be in a significant leadership role. I mean, calling those plays, that's a big deal. Uh, we have Devondre Campbell there, who's also the other middle linebacker. But it's significant, in my opinion, that Chris Barnes is the guy who's out there leading the defense. He's calling the plays. Yeah, and – Last year, it was very significant that that was taking place because the the linebacker room was so young. Chris Barnes was an undrafted rookie, yeah, and and he beat out the veteran that was brought in to be our starting guy at middle linebacker, Christian Kirksey, last season. Did not live up to his expectations. Uh, he was a Petten guy, and he seemed to get the boot at around the same time Petten did. Uh, Christian Kirksey was there was no thought of bringing him back, and. With that being said, the acquisition of Devontae Campbell was a nice free agent ad, in my opinion. Uh, he started every single game last season for the Cardinals. He was a solid linebacker for them. And he seems to be durable enough to come in and play a lot of snaps for this Packers defense, which is a must-have for a linebacker room that is so inexperienced and young. Yeah, I think Devondre Campbell, getting him late into free agency was a good move. We needed another veteran in that linebacker room. He really is the only veteran in that group. As, oh, as far as I'm looking at, we have Ty Summers in there, McDuffie, Chris Barnes, and uh, he's he's got to be the veteran presence in there. He's the, he's the only veteran presence in there. And you, you bring up the, the remainder of the guys in that room, McDuffie, Summers, it's very interesting to me that Ty Summers ended up making the roster over Kamal Martin. Yeah, Kamal, Kamal Martin, he's someone that when this uh, initial announcement was made, I was so surprised that I loaded up 
NFL Game Pass and had to go back and watch some games with Kamal Martin because from what I've seen of Ty Summers is infuriating. He <laughs> seems like he is always getting beat. And I from I thought Kamal Martin was a talented player, but I went back and watched the, the Panthers game, specifically Packers versus Panthers the last year when it was the net blizzard, and Kamal Martin kind of got his ass kicked. So it's not as surprising when you go back and look at it, but it did seem like he had some potential. I mean, he started some games last year, but... He was a six-round draft pick last year as well. And, yes, Ty Summers is, in fact, infuriating to watch. <laughs> that was a great way, yeah. way to describe it. And, in my opinion, unless there's something going on there, especially on the special team side of the, uh, the aspects of things that, that I wasn't seeing... I don't think Kamal Martin played as bad as Ty Summers did when no. when he got in there. I think Kamal Martin had some really promising stretches of, of snaps last season that where we were looking at him saying, okay, maybe Barnes and, and Martin can get it done in terms of protecting that middle of the field for us. Yeah, and it must be it comes down to special teams with Ty Summers. I mean, he was out there as the special teams captain for one of the preseason games, which, I mean, it just proves it's, that – at that point, the coaches knew he was going to make the team. He's going to be a solid contributor. I mean, you don't, even though it's a preseason game, you don't get named a captain just for nothing. So. It's, it's either that or Ty Summers is uh, dating Goots and East or something. <laughs> so there's some lucky. sort of connection going on between Summers and there because um, yeah, it, it was a very interesting decision. I was surprised to see it happen. Um, and hey, we just have to roll with it. They obviously know better than us. Yeah. You'd like to think. And then McDuffie, Isaiah McDuffie, picked in the sixth round this year. Uh, seems to be a hard-hitting middle linebacker. He's, he seems to be athletic, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ty Summers' snaps start getting eaten up by McDuffie as the season goes along. And if we need someone to come in and play some snaps, I wouldn't see be surprised if McDuffie's coming off the bench. Yeah, I would uh, be prepared to see Summers and McDuffie play this season i mean it's 17 <laughs> games and it's just what we have at the middle linebacker position so clearly the weakest link on uh, the weakest aspect of this packers defense and uh, all that we could hope is in this new joe barry system uh the middle linebackers are juiced up and, and ready to play play hard and play fast so yeah. uh moving on to the defensive line which in my opinion is the second weakest aspect of our our defense of the packers defense the defensive line, uh, obviously got Kenny Clark, got Kingsley Kiki, the L brothers are back in action, and we got T.J. Slayton and, and Jack Heflin, the two the two rookies. Uh, deep room, Kingsley Kiki, it'll be interesting to see what kind of jump he makes this season. Uh, coming on at the end of the season last year, he, he did seem to be playing pretty, pretty well. Yeah, Kingsley Kiki, and uh, he had two sacks versus the Saints last year. Uh, not a, to a whole ton of other production besides that, but two sacks versus the Saints, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what Kiki can do. We have the L brothers, as you mentioned, which... Lancaster, big, Lowry. Big fan of Lancaster and Lowry. They've been putting in the work there for a number of years. But uh, And then Kenny Clark is dominant. He is a, he's a great player. And then there's TJ Slayton, and in a perfect, ideal world... T.J. Slayton de develops throughout this season into the the second guy on that D-line, and he 
does start impeding on some of Lowry's snaps. Because as much as I like seeing Dean Lowry out there, what you see is what you get with Dean Lowry, and it will be interesting to see if T.J. Slayton could come in there and really just add a level of playmaking ability on the defensive line yeah. that it has been lacking over the past couple of years. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, we need to see an improvement of run defense. Uh, I know it hap- run defense is performed in all three phases of the defense, but it all starts up front, and it would be nice to see our, the Packers' defense this year make a nice leap in that, in, that, in that sense. Yeah, couldn't agree more. In terms of the pass rush, the complementary pieces along that defensive line, obviously we have the Smith bros, Zedarius and Preston. Uh, Zedarius has been battling a back injury all preseason long. It'll be interesting to see if he suits up game one. I have a feeling Zedarius is going to be playing. I don't know about you. I think so, and it's interesting that Goot and LaFleur were both asked in their uh, weekly availability if this is a Darius injury or lack there of injury. If it's, they're wondering, it, they were asked if it's related to the contract in any sense, and they both stated no, that he's been hurt, and yeah. it's been an injury, and it hasn't been related to his contract. Obviously, we can't uh, know with total certainty if that's the case, but and with the track record going on in the in the Goot administration, it could very well be something related to a contract. But um, I personally think Sudarius is going to be ready to go come week one, and if not, hopefully he's on the field ASAP. And he is practicing this week, which is a positive sign. Obviously, he hasn't practiced up until this point, which led many to believe that this could be one of those uh, internal holdouts, as they say, where a guy, he shows up to camp, but he doesn't practice. Uh, It just happened with Dwayne Brown from the Seahawks. Their offensive tackle showed up to camp, didn't practice the whole time, and now he's playing week one. So there was some thought and there was some credence to that uh, idea that maybe Zadarius was doing an internal holdout, but from what the coaches have said, he actually had a back injury, so... Yeah, and uh, the other Smith brother back, like we said earlier in the show, major contract restructure for Preston Smith, who in 2020 had a very underwhelming season. Uh, whatever the reason for that being, uh, it was if Preston Smith did want to come back and sport the green and gold in 2021, what happened to his contract needed to happen. I wrote a little piece about it on the theweeklycheese.com uh, a couple weeks back. Regarding when it all went down regarding the Preston Smith restructure, but he was initially penciled in for a $16 million cap hit coming into 2021, which is extreme, that especially was, for the it production. Was inordinate. It was way too much, and um, for him to take an $8 million pay cut is uh, very significant. Uh, it Say shows it that he really did want to be back here. He spoke about how much fun he has in the locker room with guys like Z. Obviously, they have the whole Smith Bros thing going on. But then he also uh, made light of that he's here to win a championship, and he's here because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and And fighting to win a championship. (laughs) He knows what's at stake, and he knows that this Packers team has what it takes to to win the Super Bowl. It, It is a team built to win the Super Bowl, and he was willing to sacrifice $8 million of guaranteed money in order to, 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 to come back and play for this team. With that being said, the contract does have penciled in 
$4.4 million of SAC-based incentives, which could, which in my opinion is a great, great thing to have in there and a sign that Preston Smith is going to be after those sacks this season like he was in 2019. Um, he has a, the opportunity to earn an additional $500,000 if he records six sacks. At the eight-sack mark, he nets himself an, an additional $750,000. If he pushes that number to 10 sacks, he'll make another $1.2 million. At 12 sacks, it's another $1.2 million. And then at 14 sacks, he gets himself another $1.2 million. Wow. So he has millions of dollars at stake here, wow. which in my opinion, it can only juice him up and is probably the reason why he came into camp looking extra trim and ready to go. Yeah, there was um, part of his press conference where he said um, last season he wasn't in as tip-top shape as he wanted to be. And now he came back and he's lean and looks like he's ready. And another player who is certainly ready is Rashawn Gary. He, I mean, you've seen the off-season videos of him working out in the sand with that with that guy, you know, <laughs> chopping his hands crazy. up in the air. Yeah, making him do the lineman rip and swim dr drills and just working his ass off this off-season. So Rashawn Gary, I mean, Ex exactly. If Preston Smith could get back to 2019 form, which I believe we all expect him to and Zadarius Smith is healthy add in a, a ready to go Rashawn Gary and the Packers have one of the most potent pass rushes in all of the National Football League last year I pinned down Rashawn Gary of being my breakout player to watch and he certainly did so from week 10 on last season against Jacksonville Rashawn Gary was a force to be reckoned with and like like Mike said his off-season workouts seem to be extremely yeah. intense. We'll throw up a clip of one of his off-season workouts yeah. just it, so you can get a feel of what he was doing he, this off-season. He does the crazy sand workouts. And, oh, yeah. And he has the nickname Bane Gary. <laughs> and, and Rashawn Gary is ready to be a pro bowler in 2021. And I could not be more excited to see this pass rush get after it week one against a very good Saints offensive line. And to round out the defense, perhaps the best for last, the Packers' secondary. First and foremost, Jair Alexander and his confidence level coming into yeah. this season. Last year, Jair Alexander got his first All-Pro nod, and this season he's looking to make sure that everyone in the league knows that he is the best in the game. Yeah, and he was asked by... Um... Packers media, what he plans to do to maintain this level of performance, and he just said that he's confident in his ability, and he really is one of the best players, uh, best secondary players in the entire NFL, so he just got to stick to what he's used to doing, and I'm happy that we have Jair on our team for the foreseeable future. As am I, and with Jair Alexander on the field, that takes care of one half of the field. One yeah. half of the field, he is on an island, and it is locked down. And that just leaves the remaining half of the field for the other guys to make yeah. their mark. And last, for the past couple of years, it's been Kevin King in there playing that second corner position. But this, this draft, the Packers went out, took Eric Stokes in the first round, and... Based on his 
production in the preseason and the fact that he had such limited snaps in the preseason, right. it's indicating that Stokes is going to be on the field a lot come yeah. week one. I really do think they're expecting Stokes to perform in a big way this year. I mean, if you look, that's a good point you made. He didn't play as much in the preseason because I really do think they're – they know, shoot, we we need this guy for the 17-game schedule. So uh, Yeah, and w- that leads me to believe that there's a chance that Kevin King is serving more of a backup role as this season progresses. Uh, I, we, we, were share- we were texting the other day, uh, texting each other the stuff about Charles Woodson and how he was being inducted into the Packer Hall of Fame and how right, he right. there was the footage of him at practice and he, he gave that just amazing speech to the team. That got me amped up and ready to go. Insanely masculine speech. Yeah, I could only imagine what it was like to be there and, li- and listen to that in, per- in person. But there was also Evan Siegel, uh, the team photographer, posted some photos on the internet of Charles Woodson uh, of pra- a practice that day. And there was a picture of Charles Woodson with yeah. all of the secondary and all the defensive backs. And I was looking at the photo and... I noticed there's Charles Woodson, obviously, so badass, the legend. Right next to him was Jair. Uh, then there was Darnell and Adrian right there, uh, right next to Charles Woodson. And also right next to Charles Woodson was Eric Stokes. And the, it seemed like the, the core of badass corners and DBs and safeties that we have on our team were all hovering around Charles Woodson. And if you look in the back corner, you see <laughs> Kevin King over there. And I don't know if I'm, if I'm just reading into the photo or whatnot. I'm for sure I am. But it seems like maybe Eric Stokes has worked his way into the social hierarchy of things over there in that defensive backs room. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll throw up the picture for you to see. But uh, it's jarring to see Kevin King's positioning in this. Uh, so far away from Charles Woodson. <laughs> and, uh, and like hidden behind other players. and uh, Yeah, like who's he standing behind yeah. there? Is that Henry Black he's behind there in the back? Like third string safety? Like It was just yeah. very concerning. I would have liked to see Kevin King maybe uh, with his hand on Charles' shoulder trying exactly. to pick up some trying of the juju. Just, just soak in yeah. all the knowledge he can. Yeah, like but greatness via contact with Charles <laughs> Woodson, you know, like maybe something would rub off on him. But, no, he was all the way back right corner. Um, back right corner, yep. And like I said, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, they're oh, yeah. Savage. some of the – they might be the two best – the best duo of safeties in the league. Darnell Savage is going into his third season looking to have a big step forward. And what can you say about Adrian Amos? The man is a a total stud. He's so solid, and both of them are just really good players. We're lucky to have that tandem back there. And the Packers secondary has the potential to be a deep and talented group, especially with John John Charles and and then everyone else that's going to be rotating in there if need be, if injury strikes. And not even to mention uh, Chandon Sullivan in the slot position. Uh, he's back. He's there. I know there's um, differing opinions on Chandon Sullivan and his abilities, but uh, I would say he's a good backup. Yeah, and he's. I, I wouldn't be surprised in Barry's new system if we see Chandon Sullivan starting as that slot corner. Yeah, he most likely will be, so. and uh, he's going to have to step up. And to round out the rest of the, the roster, the third phase of the Packers football team, the special teams. It was a rough preseason for the special teams unit following a pretty rough 2020 season. Yeah, ranked uh, 
all the way near the bottom of the barrel for special teams. We were 30th in the league overall. Uh, obviously, one of the worst units in the sport. So, uh, And like you stated earlier, Mo, Mo Drayton did seem a little bewildered out there. He seemed dumbfounded as to what was going on. He seemed to have yeah, he, a hard time. The look on with, his face yeah, looked yeah. as if he had just woken up from a 10-hour nap and was <laughs> dumped onto the sidelines for in that coaching role, you know? It yeah. looked like... Like he had no answers to, uh, as to what was going on. Um, but one answer that, that it could have been uh, was, was the punter, J.K. Scott. And this is our little ode to J.K. Scott as his time with the Green Bay Packers has come to an end. And... Just the other day, the Packers trading a six-round picks while well, swapping a six for a seventh and acquiring Corey Bor- Bo- Bohorquez. Bohorquez. Corey Bohorquez from the Rams. Yeah, we got Bohorquez. Um, he's looked good from uh, everything we've heard, but honestly, the inconsistency from J.K. Scott. Um, when you're in the National Football League, it's just absolutely unacceptable to have a 20-yard punt. I mean... And that was happening on a consistent basis. He would shank a punt like that, maybe one every six or seven punts, which is, that can't happen. The consistency and, uh, wasn't there. <laughs> it cannot happen to have a bad punt like that in the league. So. And you were just telling me something. Uh, on top of the inconsistency from J.K. Scott, um, he, he also didn't have something that apparently Bohorquez oh, has been working on. Bohorquez? Uh, I watched this guy's presser just to get a feel for him because usually when you're scrolling through and you look at these pressers, they're like six minutes, seven minutes. This guy's presser was almost 20 minutes. That's mm. like Aaron Rodgers' territory. The work was with a long yeah. extended... so they really wanted to know about this guy, and there were some good questions. Honestly, they asked him. He was a free agent, and he went to Los Angeles to play with the Rams. Well, they, they already had Johnny Hecker, who was an all-pro punter, and uh, he voluntarily picked that spot to go and compete. But what he said was he knew even if he didn't uh, win the job that he would get to learn from someone like Johnny Hecker. And I thought it was so cool that Bohorquez says he can do this banana punt now. I've never even heard of a banana yeah, punt. I mean, have uh, you? No, I've never. I didn't hear a of a banana, banana punt until you brought it to my attention yeah. that Bohorquez has been honing in on the banana punt. The banana punt. I, and I won't even uh, pretend like I know the first thing about a banana punt, but uh, I think it was Wes Hodquist, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> he, he asked um, Bohorquez, you know, is there anything that you picked up from working with Hecker all summer? And he said, yeah, I learned this banana punt. And that immediately caught my attention. I mean, well, if he can be implementing these banana punts into our special teams, I think the sky's the limit there. Yeah, yeah, who knows? Uh, uh, when Mike made me aware of the, the potential of witnessing a banana punt this season, I I couldn't have been more thrilled. So, J.K. Scott, enjoy enjoy the rest of your, your life. Uh, thank you for punting for us for a number of years, but um, we're on to greener pastures, hopefully. Oh, for those uninformed, if you look up banana punt on Google search, the first thing that comes up is a New York Times article for, 
Pecker's Banana Punch. So apparently this thing is well known. Oh. And if Bahorquez learned this banana punt from Hecker, I'm pretty excited to see this. Yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, I was tuning into the McAfee show a couple days ago, and he he did say Bahorquez has a monstrous leg. And right. coming from a punter of McAfee's stature, that is that is quite the praise for Corey Bahorquez, who's, who's coming in, and I'm expecting to make an impact immediately. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, positive sign on the punting front there. Obviously, Mason Crosby is solid as granite. Solid as granite. And another thing, another complaint that I've been hearing, uh, a concern, if you will, regarding the Bahorquez move, is that Bahorquez has not been holding for Mason this whole time. Uh, I think that is just uh, no need to concern yourself with that we'll we'll discuss that issue if we run into that issue yeah and he was even asked uh what it was if there was any concern about that and he flat out said no that he's been working with so many uh different long snappers throughout the league trying to make his way and find a spot that he said it's a quick process to get down so i'm confident with bahorquez and uh Happy that he's on the team. Hey, and the special teams unit can only improve. Can only improve. Can only improve, and hopefully Bahorquez is the first step to improving. Now let's take a look into week one. The Packers on the road to take on the New Orleans Saints. And initially, the Packers were traveling to Louisiana, to New Orleans, to play in the Superdome. Uh, but unfortunately, due to... Hurricane Ida, the New Orleans area has have yeah, has inaccessible. It's been in, it's it's been damaged recently, so the game has been moved to Jacksonville, and uh, quite frankly, I'm a little excited that the Packers now have a home game in Jacksonville as opposed to going on the road to play in that ugly Superdome. Yeah, and part of me is just happy to not have to look at the Superdome for three plus hours. I mean, that thing is. That thing, like you said, it is ugly, it is grim, it's dark, it's hard to, your eyes start to get yeah. you know, messed up looking at that thing for too long, I think. And I feel very bad, when I watch games that are being held there, I, I can't help but feel bad for the fans in attendance about how uncomfortable it must be <laughs> to sit in the Superdome. Uh, so it's it's great for the Packers that the game's not being held in New Orleans. Uh, it is unfortunate for the Saints, however, because they did experience another a hurricane, but with that being said, it's now a home game in Jacksonville. I have no doubt in my mind there's going to be a sea of green jerseys there, oh, chanting "Go Pack Go." So many Packer fans there. If I had to guess, I think it's going to the majority will be Green Bay Packers fans. Our fans travel well. the The entire league knows that. And uh, Sean Payton even tried to make a, a little funny remark that oh, this might be harder for the Packers to. Uh, get to the game I, I don't really know what the hell he was trying to get at with that but uh, yeah but the Packer fans will be there in mass they will show up it's it's gonna be it's it's going to look a whole lot like a Packers home game which is only only beneficial to the Green Bay Packers as they head into this week on week one matchup against the Saints team that uh, has a lot of question marks of their own surrounding them um, personally I think that the Packers are going to do just fine I believe the offense is going to do whatever they want. Granted, the offensive line holds up and protects Aaron the way they they have in the past and they are expected to. Um, 
And with that being said, I think the Packers' defense is going to be able to get after Jameis a little bit. Yeah, he did have the LASIK eye surgery, but I do still believe that the Packers' secondary is going to turn him over at least one time. Yeah, and for me, I find it um, confusing that the Packers are only a three-and-a-half-point favorite for this game. Um, I think the Packers are a much superior team. I think that the just considering the Saints transition from Drew Brees to the combination of <laughs> Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston, um, I really do think the Packers are going to are going to win handily here. I think they're going to perform very well. Uh, it is concerning to know that Alvin Kamara has a history of just obliterating the Packers' defenses. That's but, the um, truth. I mean, like, talking about Ty Summers before, last year against the Saints, Alvin Kamara humiliated Ty Summers on that screen pass. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a lot of that, that only a three-and-a-half-point favorite against them is tied into the fact that Bakhtiari isn't going to be on the field, and uh, there are question marks surrounding the Packers' offensive line going into Week 1. I think that's the only reason for that, minus 3.5. I I do think that the Packers should be favored more than that. Um, my prediction for the game, Green Bay win 32-21 over yeah. the Saints in Week 1. I see the Packers winning by at least 10 points. Um the score dependent on how the defense looks. I mean, I really I'm not too sure if <laughs> we have the linebacker core to defend Alvin Kamara properly, but uh, we'll see. I do expect the Packers to win by at least two scores. I think in the ten point range. Now, as we look further into this season, um, as we wrap up this first edition of the weekly cheese, the week zero episode the the off-season report week one preview as we look ahead to this season as a whole and we look very far down the line as you know as we look down the line who do you believe is the biggest question mark going into this year what aspect of the Packers team what position group what player just what what is the biggest question mark for you going into the 2021 season Mike yeah, it would have to be uh, the defensive side with the linebacker position. I just think back to the 2019 NFC Championship game with uh, Blake Martinez running 10 yards behind all of the 49ers <laughs> running backs and them just absolutely obliterating our middle linebacker and interior defensive line group. Uh, that's really why we, we lost that game. We could not stop the 49ers. And I think if we run into another team like that, such as those same 49ers who were down last year and we had got to avoid them because of their injuries, but if we have to face another team like that, I'm not sure our interior defense, specifically the middle linebacker group and everyone on the D-line that's not named Kenny Clark, can really hold up in a situation like that? I mean, what, what would you say? The biggest question mark for me, when I was thinking about it, obviously my mind went to the middle linebacker group and just the inexperience and lack of depth that, that, we, that the Packers do have there. But for me, the biggest question is how, and going back to that minus three and a half against the Saints this week, 
The biggest question mark for me is how the offensive line is going to play as we take this journey that is the countdown to Bach. In the first six weeks of the season, a lot can happen. It's a very important football being played in the first six weeks of the season. And a lot of it, in terms of how the Green Bay Packers offense is going to look and perform, relies on how the offensive line responds to the countdown to Bach. Without David Bakhtiari in the game and Elton Jenkins having to be pushed out to the left tackle position, with Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, and whoever might be thrown in there to play the, the guard positions, especially with the rookie center, I think the offensive line in the first six weeks of the season is my biggest question mark for right now. And if they perform at a high level how we all expect them to perform, the Packers are going to be just fine. Yeah, I really do have uh, confidence in Myers. Everything we've read and listened to is he's really going to perform well. But I think certainly the biggest question mark there would be the rookie Royce Newman, just to see how he plays and performs and reacts to lining up against the Saints' first-team defense. I mean, we saw Royce Newman stomp all over Kirk Benkert's ankles and just... I mean, I'm surprised those ankle ligaments are still intact after that After that big cleat came down on Yeah, I mean, he Benkert's tripped them up ankle. twice, and, that, and those are mistakes that simply cannot happen. They can't happen, and uh, Stenovich talked in his presser that I listened to that he seems like it's a simple fix, getting the lineman to fire out of his stance and taking a step forward instead of an initial back step, but I mean... That cannot happen when Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is on the field. Happen. I it mean, cannot happen, which is no. what is, makes it my biggest question mark going into this season. Right. Right. Uh, which is makes it a big question mark considering, the, like you pointed out, the, the the middle linebacker group is really also uh, a concern of mine as the season progresses. Now, on top of that, now what player? I know last year I said I had Rashawn Gary as my player to watch the breakout player for that season. What player do you feel is going to have a breakout season of their own in 2021? My breakout player for 2021 is Darnell Savage Jr. Darnell Savage is going into his third year as a Green Bay Packer. Last season, especially down the stretch, he started making more and more impactful splash plays. He rarely gets beat. He rarely gets beat in coverage. And I think Darnell Savage is is going to have himself a Pro Bowl caliber season this year, making our defense and our secondary even that much more physically opposing with the combination of Jair and Darnell Savage being the two best young defensive backs in football. And I also have to put out there that I'm also selfishly hoping for Darnell Savage to have a breakout year because I ordered his 1950s (laughs) jersey from the pro shop just last week. And uh, I don't want to be having to send the jersey to the nameplate lady in a couple of years because Darnell Savage didn't materialize. So Darnell is going to have a outstanding season for the Green I like Packers. that. I really do like that. I think Darnell Savage is poised to just have an absolutely gangbuster season. But uh, it's funny you bring up uh, breakout players who I was on the look for as I might certainly – my breakout player for this year was John Runyon Jr. <laughs> and, uh, as as evident by this uh, one of one jersey that uh, we'll show again on the screen now is uh, this John Runyon jersey that I bought in preparation for what I thought would be his maiden voyage into the starting lineup this year. But um, 
no, it just didn't pan out that way. Runyon got beat out by Lucas Patrick and Royce Newman. They really did perform better than him. So, uh, unfortunately, my breakout player was John Runyon Jr. Hey, there's still hope. <laughs> but he will be in uh, serving as a... He, in a relief capacity this season, and uh, you know, uh, let's just pretend my breakout player is Josh Myers. <laughs> hey, no, you know what? Josh Myers certainly can be the breakout player, and we could put that on paper for you. But I also want to keep John Runyon Jr. on that paper because a lot could happen, and and John Runyon could still break out this season as a promising <laughs> young prospect at the guard spot. And if and when he does, you can say that you were with him from the very yeah. beginning. I've been on the John Runyon Jr. hype train from his from when we drafted the guy in the fifth or sixth round last year, so I'm I was looking forward to the Runyon Renaissance. <laughs> it didn't come. Hey, perhaps perhaps the world wasn't ready for the <laughs> Runyon Renaissance. And, and that not. Renaissance is still to come. It, it could really still happen and I would not lose hope. John Runyon, we're not losing hope in you, bud. We believe in you. Yeah, we got the jersey. And to wrap things up here on this uh, inaugural episode of the Weekly Cheese, um, this week's lock of the weeks. Every week, uh, we're going to give you a couple of locks. And uh, for, for week one, mine is simple. Mine is simple. Green Bay minus three and a half over the New Orleans Saints. Lock of the week. No way the Packers don't cover that. I mean, yeah. the Packers are two scores better than the New Orleans Saints, and at least two scores better, and I firmly believe that. My lock of the week, Green Bay minus three and a half. What we like to do here on the Weekly Cheese is give out some some locks that we foresee, and obviously it should go without saying that we will always be riding with the Green Bay Packers. But um, in order for a lock, in order for – you to be able to look yourself in the mirror and really lock up a team, they can't be favored by more than six and a half points. So looking at the schedule, I think the absolute biggest lock of week one is the 49ers over the lowly Detroit Lions. It's a seven and a half point spread, so I'm going to take you down and I'm going to lock up the Chargers who are going to visit Washington. I know you have a little differing opinion on this, but... I just think Justin Herbert going down there into Washington. I know they have a great defense, but I really do expect the Chargers to win that game. I, I do have a differing opinion there. I think the football team is going to be a a surprise team out of the AFC le- uh, the NFC least. I do believe that the football team has the defense they do. Um, to do it. And as hey, talking about the Chargers, talking about how. Corey Lindsley just joined the Chargers. Um, let's just Bulaga's say perhaps over. Chase Young is a little much for Corey Lindsley to handle. <laughs> they get pressure on Herber, and I think there's a chance that the football team could steal that game. Yeah, definitely. I didn't feel I wouldn't feel good about uh, locking up the Jaguars over the Texans. Obviously, I expect the Jaguars to utterly obliterate the Texans, who are a hot mess right now under. First-year coach David Coley. I don't, <laughs> I don't think they have much going on for them right now. But uh, doesn't seem that they, that they have much going on. But headaches over there in Houston. So happy we could we, we got went Randall and got Randall out of, out of there. Yeah. yeah, we 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 sent for him and we we saved him. 
is back the home football now. purgatory that is Houston right now. Yeah, so those are your uh, those are four games to uh, if you're you know if you're perusing the betting landscape, I would uh, consider those four games. Those are the locks, and uh, that that'll do it for the first episode of the weekly cheese. Uh, right here on the new home of the YouTube, youtube.com slash the weekly cheese. Uh, look for our videos every Tuesday night during the NFL season. This one coming to you a little bit late as we preview the week one matchup that the Packers have this Sunday, 425 Eastern time against the New Orleans Saints. That will be America's game of the week. And I couldn't be more excited for this season to get going. I couldn't be more excited to be back on the weekly cheese right here with the Highly anticipated co-host, Packer Mike, the Packer aficionado. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to give this podcast a a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any more of our uh, Packer content here on the Weekly Cheese. Yeah, I would say to Packer fans everywhere, we're going to be putting out this content here and uh, don't necessarily see any other source of media that would need to be consumed after hearing our thoughts and opinions on the week. Uh, We're two your thoughts, Joe? die-hard Packer fans over here at the Weekly Cheese, and, and our goal is to provide comprehensive analysis. And and good old fun. And just a touch of mirth. Yeah. A touch of mirth. A touch make of it a mirth. little funny. Yeah. Uh, throw some... So, yeah, please feel free to... To share this with any Packer fans you feel fit. If you enjoy the content, subscribe to the channel. You could also check out our website, theweeklycheese.com. Uh, our video, our podcast will be uploaded there as well, as well as some news stories that we write up from time to time on there. Um, yeah, the Weekly Cheese. It's here. The number one place for everything Green Bay Packer. Thanks for listening, and until next time, remember, the cheese stands alone. See you next week, everyone.